If you don't have a book already, our team members are going to come by your way and give you one of these little books. It says Summit Conference on it. Take that as it comes your way. Take your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to jump in here in these next few moments. I want to look at this, um, this next section here. It's just kind of a little Sunday school uh, session, and, and so we're going to kind of just kind of get to know each other a little bit better uh, as far as this whole issue of revival. Again, I believe that um, as a church, you probably have a better understanding of revival. This first section is not actually in the book, so you can kind of turn into a page in the back. There's a few blank pages. If you want to jot some notes, you can do that. But I want us to, to look at this morning just the whole principle of what we can do to step in. How can we prepare our hearts for revival? How can we step into that, to that circle? Acts chapter 3, verse 19 is a great uh, expression of revival. Acts 3.19, it says, repent and return to truth. That, that's, that's a starting point for all of us. Repent and return to truth. Again, you're not going to hear anything in these days you haven't already heard. I'm not, I'm not here to give you some, some new truth. Dan traveled uh, with us for a, a number of years on the road. Um, I think you saw a picture of Dan and I, uh, somebody showed me a few years ago. Um, we were both younger and Smaller, I guess, uh, at that point, um, and uh, that was a blessing. But anyway, he was there. See, you know these truths uh, and understand that, but we're, we need to return to those. Again, it's, it's no one truth. Obey one truth. Teach one truth. And here it says, Acts chapter 3, verse 19, repent, return to truth, that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing. These days, you can call them whatever you want to call them, but I, I want to define them as times of spiritual refreshing. I pray that as we walk through these days, you look at 15 days and, and all the time that's involved there, and you say, that, that doesn't sound very refreshing to me. These days will be, I believe, some of the most refreshing moments and season of your life, if you let God have his way. And times of spiritual refreshing, how do they come? Just by going to a church service, just by being here tonight at 6, or by walking through these days? Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And we want to ask God to meet with us in, in, in his compelling, captivating presence in our lives during these days. I, I, I think we need to acknowledge the fact that we, first of all, need a time of spiritual refreshing. I mean, where, where are we? Did you ever get lost? Men don't get lost. Um, da Daniel Boone uh, said that he was a great explorer. He said he never was lost. He said he was disoriented for three days one time, but, but never lost. And that's kind of the way we are as men. We're not lost. We're just disoriented sometimes, right? If, if you, I, what's this highway right, right out here? 100? 139. 140. See, you're all disoriented too. No one knows. Okay, whatever this road is, if you say, I want, I want to get to Niles, and I say to you, you want, you want some directions, I say, just follow that road. Take you right there. And you got on this road, and you started heading north. My directions were right. You're on the right road. It's just you're going in the wrong direction. And, and some of us need to stop and give some uh, serious consideration to, to where am I really? My, my wife is directionally challenged. Uh, we were just in, in Pittsburgh, and we were heading uh, to the chiropractor. And I said, honey, what, what direction do you think we're going? She said, south. 
It's not like we're, we're going due east. No, no, because she said, I saw on the map that we're here and the chiropractor is here. Yeah, but in, in Pittsburgh, there are no straight roads anyplace because it's all just, you know, mountains. And so you can be heading directionally south, kind of, but you may be going east or west or north at some points. And, and so, so some of us just think, well, I, I know where I'm supposed to be going, so I must be going that way. And, and the problem is we, we, we've actually gotten on, on, on the wrong road. We're actually lost. And, and so the question, where are you now in your life, becomes pretty important. Our, our, our spiritual life can be like that. We, we've traveled down wrong roads or in wrong directions, and, and so our tendency is to blame somebody else. I like to blame my GPS uh, you know, because uh, sometimes, sometimes the GPS takes me places that really was not the right way. We were just in a meeting in Knoxville, Tennessee, and so I pushed in the GPS and I should have known better when we turned our 40-foot truck and trailer onto a road that was called Raccoon Valley Trail Road. <laughs> that should have been my first clue right there. I'm driving down this Raccoon Valley Trail, and even the raccoons were looking at me like, where is he, do- where is he going? I mean, they were even puzzled I was there. And, and you know, it, it turned out to be kind of a one-lane road, and my, my wife was, anyway, we won't go there. But the, it, it, was, it was not the right place. And, and my tendency is to listen to my GPS and think that they're all-knowing, just like God. And the fact is, um, Siri does not know everything. And the GPS is often, uh, I've I found, not right. And, and so our tendency is to blame, well, I'm, I'm on this road because I just did with the GPS did or said, told me to do. And, and when we uh, not, are not willing to admit our, our wrong directions or blame somebody else, th- then we're going to be in trouble. Here, here's, here's the point. You're, you're heading in one of two directions. Either your life is taking you towards a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, or it's taking you away from his presence. Times of, pre- of, of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. So, so is your life taking you closer to his presence, or are you going in the wrong direction? Apathy can, can creep in and, and, and can quietly and unnoticeably kind of um, inundate our life, and, 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 and our loss of desire for stepping in that circle for the things of God can, can make our heart cold and distant. It shows itself in prayerlessness or ignoring the word of God or, or rejecting the fellowship of other believers and, or, or a lifestyle that just leads us to emptiness and frustration. Some time ago, we put out a magazine that had 50 evidences of, 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 of our need for spiritual refreshment. Let me give you seven of them. When you don't love like you once did, when you have little or no desire for, for prayer, when we know truth in our heads that we are not practicing in our lives, know one truth, obey one truth, teach one truth. When husbands and wives are not praying together, that's about 80% of the people in most churches. When, when believers can be at odds with each other and not feel compelled to pursue reconciliation, how tragic it is that people can come to the same church and the same building. And, and I've been in a number of churches where one family enters through this door, other family enters through this door. Purposely, they park on opposite sides of the parking lot so they don't have to just, by chance, pass each other because they're at such odds with each other. But they come and they sit and they sing and they pray and they worship. But they're, they're in need of incredible life change. When we're more concerned about our children's education and their athletic activities and about the condition of their souls, 
We, we plan our whole lives around our, our children and their accomplishments, and, and we've neglected what's most important, their eternal destinies. Now, now, now why, is that, why is that the case? I, I, I think I, I have a really bad habit of, of categorizing people, and uh, because I've, 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 I've been in over 700 churches just like yours, and, and I've, I've found that every Sunday morning I stand before four types of people. There's, first of all, some of you here this morning that would say, I don't even know I need to be revived. And I don't know how you could be at this church with your staff and your exposure and, and not realize this, but it's still the case. We, we just don't know the danger we're in. I, I left Life Action for a year and went to a church as a youth pastor. And I thought all good youth pastors had to take their kids on canoe trips. So I, I did. And so I, I got the youth together, and we went and went to the river, and they, they put you in always at a nice, wide spot, you know, really calm. And, and uh, my wife was not really excited about this. Uh, she was pregnant at the time, and, and we had a one-year-old son, Stephen, and so she didn't think this was the best way to spend the day, but, but she did anyway. And, and, uh, and Stephen kind of picked up a little bit of her angst, so he wasn't really convinced. And so I, I said, honey, it's real romantic, I kind of envisioned us strolling down the Swanee River, you know, and so that kind of won her over. I told Stephen, it's going to be fun. Kids have fun if you tell them they're having fun, even if they're not having fun. So I, I just I told Stephen, it's going to be fun. Debbie's going to be romantic. So we got in the canoe, and we, we started down. It, I said, honey, this is romantic. Yeah, Stephen, is fun. And, and we, we, we went a little ways, rounded a few bends. And after a while, the, the river started to get more narrow. As it did, the water picked up speed. And my wife turned to me and said, honey, slow down. <laughs> I, 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 said, I said, honey, it's not, there's no gas pedal. I mean, you, you go with the flow. This is the way it is, right? And we rounded this bend, and up ahead was the romantic beauty of the white water. And, and I had not done my homework. I didn't know there were degrees of rapids. I didn't understand that. I was young. And so we shot down through this rapids that we were not ready for. And, and our canoe that is like this goes like this. And, and so we totally capsized. Now you have your basic crisis. Uh, and here is my, my, my one-year-old son. I grab Steve, and I'm holding him about two feet above the water. I'm two feet under the water. I thought it was the safest place to be until my wife cooled off. And, and <laughs> my pregnant wife is floating downstream. Uh, we, we all survived. We continued. Steve was now cold. Debbie was now hot. And, 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 and we survived. But, but, but I, I didn't realize the danger I was in. And I think some of us, I mean, you, you don't really have to be too astute to, to, to look at the news and, 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 and see what's going on to realize that we're in trouble. But sometimes we just kind of, you know, bury our head in the sand and, and don't realize our needs. Some of us are, are, just, are just dead, maybe spiritually dead, or maybe we're just in a coma. And, and what we need this week is a spiritual defibrillator for God just to kind of zap something through us to wake us up out of our, of our, of our deadness. Now, I don't know if there's very many people like that, but there are some. And then there's some who don't want to be revived. You see, I, I, I did this before, and, and it, didn't, it didn't last, or, or it, it wasn't really what I wanted. I, I'm, I don't want to have any more life. I was in Florida. One of the staff wives of the church jotted this note at the close of our meeting. She said, I wasn't planning on coming to this revival. I didn't think I needed to be revived. I didn't need healing. It's been a difficult time, and we've had some real hurts. The day the revival started, I announced to my husband I was not going to go. Long, ugly story short, we went back and forth, and then he pulled out the submission card on me. 
Now, I was single for 32 years before we got married, and although we've been married for nine years, someone telling me I have to do something is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. I heard someone say, there comes a time to stop submitting and start outwitting. I was leaning heavily on the outwitting part. Submission to me was agreeing to do what Fred said than doing what I wanted to do anyway. It wasn't until Fred looked me in the eye and told me the reasons he needed to come to the revival that my heart was changed. I was no longer doing something because I was told I had to. I was doing it because the man I love with all my heart needed me to. He wasn't being a bossy. He wasn't being bossy. He was being a godly husband, leading his family in the way he saw that we needed to go. I did come. And almost immediately, God blessed me with a gentle peace, a strength I never felt before as I surrendered everything to God. And along the way, I learned an important lesson about submission to my husband. But the, the, the issue is we, we come to a place where we just say, I'm not sure I even want that. Or there's some who think, I don't know if it's possible. I, mean, I, I look at my theology and I say, you know, we're going to go downhill. Things are getting worse and worse. Christ is going to return. I don't know if it's possible to be revived. Our founder said revival is as possible as the sun rising tomorrow morning. And we could go back and talk about the, the great revivals of history. We could talk about the revivals in Scripture. And, and I, I want to say, in these days, uh, we, have, we have prayed for a ministry that God would send revival to this nation, to this world, and, and have for almost 50 years now. But the, my, my desire for you in these days is to get your focus on your circle. There, there are two kinds of revival, big R revival, little R revival. Big R revival is, is a sovereign act of God. You can't plan that down. You, you, can't, you can't even pray that down. You can pray for it. Some years ago, we had Vernon Hyam, who has uh, preached the funeral of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a great preacher. His, his, he, had, he has three books I have uh, in my library, in Romans 5, 6, and 7. Each one is as thick as a Webster's Dictionary. The guy was an incredible preacher, scholar. And at his funeral, Vernon Hyam said this, Martin Lloyd-Jones prayed for revival all his life and never saw it. But now he is in the place where revivals are made. And, and listen, that doesn't, that doesn't make me not pray for it. It just makes me realize that it's a sovereign act of God. I, I can't control the universe. All I can control is my circle. And there's big R revival, the sovereign act of God. There's little R revival. And these days, are you stepping inside that circle saying, God, if you don't touch another grandparent, another parent, another person, God, would you do something in my circle? And, and if, if, if the members of your family will pray that, you can have a family revival. And if the majority of the families of the church will pray that, this church can experience revival. And what God does beyond that is, is, is his business. But we start by saying, God, do something in my life. And God can do something in your life that you'll never get over. At, at this season of ministry for me, the greatest joy I have is when I, last week a lady came to me we're, one, one night, we're going to talk about some things. I, I, I gave them a year ago a little piece of string to tie around their wrist. We'll talk about that a little bit later. She came to me this last week, and she said, Steve, I've had this on for a year. And every day I think about what we, taught, what we learned a year ago. The week before that, we were in a meeting in North Carolina. The pastor was a former Life Action team member. It was, it was, a, it was a small church. We, we passed, we're passing through there. We, lit, we went there, and we're encouraging him. And a, and a couple from that church came to me, and they said, Steve, we were at a meeting in Brownsville, Texas, 35 years ago. 
And that two weeks, God so impacted and changed our life. 35 years later, we've never gotten over what God did for us in those days. It was the high point of our whole spiritual life, 35 years, and we have walked with him since then. Those are the kind of stories that, that just warm the cockles of my heart. What does that mean anyway? Anyway, uh, what is the, anyway those, those are the kind of stories that keep me going. And, and, and what God wants to do in your life, it's not just about these two weeks. My desire is you'll be able to say a month from now and a year from now and 35 years from now if the Lord tarries, God is doing something in my life in a refreshing way and I've established some patterns that have moved me from not just knowing truth to teaching truth, but knowing to obeying, living in, and then teaching truth. And then I know more truth and I live more truth and we continue in that cycle over and over again in our life. But some have just kind of checked out on God. But I hope this last group is you. A group that says, I don't want to miss a chance to be revived. Now, now, again, this verse says times of refreshing. There, there are times of, of spiritual refreshing where, where God just says this is a special time that God sets aside on his calendar. I don't think these days were planned by your staff or our staff. I think God has set aside on his appointment book a time to meet with this group of people with this church. I hope that your appointment book doesn't supersede God's. And, and you just say, God, I, I'm grateful for this. There, there, there is point and process in our Christian life. You've been in a process. You have a faithful staff that's helping you in the process. And there are times, there are points where God wants to do something in our life in ways that they're, they're propelling us in our life to, to him. And I, I hope that you'll be a part of that time together. Times are refreshing. It's like taking a bath. You don't take one bath and say, that'll last me for a lifetime. I hope you don't. Your neighbor hopes you didn't do that. There are times to take a bath, and there are times of spiritual refreshing where God intervenes in, a, in our normal daily affairs and does something um, that propels us in ways that we desperately need. Turn to uh, Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Again, this is a, a familiar passage uh, probably to most a time, a, a season in, in Israel's history where they have come out of um, uh, bondage. I mean, they're, they're, they're moving out into the, the promised land and, and uh, walking, heading, headed toward this place. And you know the story how Moses gets the Ten Commandments and, 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 then, and then they start worshiping this golden calf and, and, and God says, I'm just going to destroy everybody. And Moses intercedes and prays for the people. And, and so they're kind of getting a, a reset here. And in, in Acts chapter 33... The Lord now, after Moses prayed, the Lord spoke to Moses and says, Depart, go up from here, you and the people you have brought from the land of Egypt, the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, so he said, I, I made some promises to you, and I am a, a covenant-keeping God. I, I'm, I'm going to keep my promises to you. Verse 2, he says, And I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, Hittite, Parasites, whatever. I, I'm going to drive out all these ites. I'm, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to guard you. Verse 3, I'm, I'm going to take you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. I'm, I'm going to provide for you. But then he says in verse 3, but because you're an obstinate people and I, I might destroy you in the way, I, I, I am not going to go with you. If God were to come to us today and say, I've got a deal for you. I'm going to keep all my promises I've made to you. I'm going to protect you from the enemy, and, and I will provide all you need materially, monetarily, physically. I'm not going to be with you, but, but I'm going to give you my promises, my protection, my provision. Would that be okay with you? Most of us, sadly, would say, you know, God, it'd really be nice if you could come too, 
But as long as I've got money in the bank, as long as you're protecting me from the enemy, as, as long as you're going to keep all your promises, it, it'd be nice if you were here too, but I think I'm good with, 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 that, with that deal. And that's the way we live our life. What, 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 what does the presence of God mean anyway? The, the Puritans said there are three aspects of the presence of God. The, the, the presence of God, uh, the, the, the Hebrew word presence means the face, the face of God. Well, there's first of all, just a collective sense of God's presence. I indwell heaven and earth, God says. So every place you go, God is there. But, but then there's also a cultivated sense. Some of you got up this morning. You've already opened the word of God. You've already spent time in prayer. You do that every day. You're cultivating your relationship with God. And then thirdly, these are my terms, there's a captivating sense, a captivating sense of God's presence. And, and that's what we're desirous of in these days, a captivating sense. It's, it's the, the Hebrew word is the face of God. We were, um, when we have Christmas at our house, um, it's chaos. I mean, we have, we have uh, about 30 people that come. And, and, and so it's just a, a chaotic moment. A couple years ago, we were at Christmas, and, and um, I was sitting on the couch, and there was grandkids doing this and people talking this. And, 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 and Zach, my son, my youngest son, was sitting next to me, and I, I was vaguely aware of the fact that there was noise coming from his direction. That's about it, right? Because I was just kind of watching all the activity. And, and he was trying to have a conversation with me. And pretty soon I felt him reach over, grab my cheeks, pull my head around, and he said, Dad, give me your face. You know what revival is? Revival is God turning his face to us and us turning our face to God. And when you come face to face with God, it'll change your life. We were in a meeting uh, in Indiana, and uh, the associate pastor, they had a big marquee out in front of the church, and he was kind of in charge of putting the things up on the marquee, and, and, and he said, a couple weeks ago, I went out there, and I put up, you know, life action, I put the dates. He said, I didn't even know the name of the preacher, which is fine. But he said, this week, here's what's happened. This team has come. They, they've brought me into the presence of God, brought me face to face with God, walked out of the room, and left me alone in the presence of God. He said, my life will never be the same. Ten seconds in the captivating presence of God will do more for you than than all the services you ever attended in your entire life. And I, I believe God is going to meet with us in that way in these days. There's some things about the presence of God that, that, that are important. The presence of God is, is an awesome thing. Psalm says that the presence of God, the mountains melt like wax. It, it's an awesome thing to be in God's presence. Now, you know, um, if you got a call today from the White House, and they said... Um, that the president is going to come visit you next Sunday. How would that affect your life? He's, he's going to do some, um, just kind of getting ideas of people. And he said, there's some things I'd like to talk to him about. I'd like to tell him a thing or two. Uh, he's coming next Sunday to your house. How would you respond to that? If the president and his wife were going to come and have Sunday dinner at your house next Sunday, you might faint. But, but after you picked yourself up, you think you would tell anybody? Sure you would. You'd say, y'all need to pray for me. The president's coming to my house next Sunday. You think you clean your house? It's going to be on national TV. Uh, you men would hate this. All the things your wife has wanted you to do the last 10 years would have to be done this week. <laughs> Paint that, change that, whatever. You know? Even that one closet, you open the door and, and all the games fall out. What if the president opened his door, the game of life hit him in the head? You'd clean everything. You'd clean your whole life. You, you think that if you had plans next weekend, you might change him? I mean, it's not real often the president comes to your house. I, I think you would change your plans. 
Do you think that uh, if, if the, the staff member there said that we're going to send uh, one of the staff members here from the White House to be with you this week to kind of just teach you some proper protocol, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't say, you know, here, you know, uh, whatever, sit here. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a proper way. I forgot the president's first name. Donald, yeah, Donald. <laughs> you don't say, here, Donald, sit here. Um, reminds me of Donald. Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> They asked one of my kids, this is years ago, who the president was. He said, Ronald McDonald. Uh, <laughs> wrong Ronald. Anyway, you want to have the, you want to have the, right, the right names? You, you wouldn't say, no, I don't need any help. We do this all the time. The queen was here last week. You know, we'll be fine. You would say yes, and you'd hang on their every word. It's not very often you entertain the president of the United States. Listen, someone infinitely more important wants to come visit your life. And I would think that at least the same preparation you would make for an earthly ruler, you'd make for the king of kings. I mean, if you tell the, the, the world that the earthly president is coming, shouldn't you tell the world that the ruler of the universe is coming? If you'd clean up your life for the, the, the earthly leader, wouldn't you clean up your life for the king of kings? If you'd cancel your plans for an earthly ruler, wouldn't you cancel your plans for the Lord of lords? The presence of God is an awesome thing. And, and, and yet, sometimes we um, are going in the wrong direction because we are running from his presence. In Chicago some years ago, there was a neighborhood that was kind of crime-ridden, and so they, they got a police car, they bought a police car, and parked it at the entrance of their subdivision. Crime dropped 40% instantly just by having an empty police car sit at the entrance. There's something about, about the presence of, of God, the presence of, of an authority. And, 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 and we need to realize that God wants to use those times in our life in, in, in ways that are beyond what we could even uh, imagine. Secondly, the presence of God is absence. I, I looked for a man to stand in the gap, and I found none. You don't have to go too far to realize that as, as a nation, as a world, governments of this world, we, we don't want God in our governments. We've basically said, God, we, we, don't, we don't want you, we don't even want even the hint of what might have been when our country was founded. We, we want to disassociate everything we can. The presence of God is absent in our homes. Someone said, home is a place where you go and you're tired of being nice to people. And that's the way many of our homes are. I, I, was, I was a meeting some time ago where a staff member gave a testimony. He said, my daughter came to me this week. She said, Daddy, I like you better at church. He said, I'm, I'm a different person at church than I am at home. There, there's no God in my home. I yell at people. I'm upset with people. I come to church. I'm smiling. I'm happy. I'm helping people. My kids like me better at church. It's absent in, in our churches. You've heard it said if, if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the church, 90% of what goes on would continue unhindered. Do, do we really need God in our life? The presence of God is absent. But here's the good news. The presence of God is available. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Team members are going to pass down your way real quickly here, a Band-Aid. And everybody, team, just grab some of those. We haven't done this before, but there's a basket of Band-Aids right here. And I want you all to take a Band-Aid. We'll use this here in just a minute. And, and uh, if you have a cut on your finger or something, then you can take two of them. But um, <clears throat> otherwise, here, Jimmy. There we go. 
take, take, a, take a Band-Aid and open it up. I'll get to it here in just a minute. Repent and return to truth. I, I, I think that the use of the word repent here implies that, that we've lost something or left something. Maybe, maybe the, the real question is not have we lost it, but that we've just neglected it. We, we've neglected what's, what's really important. Neglected our spouse or our kids or our friends. I mean, I mean I, we, we give ourselves to all those things and we neglect what's most important, our relationship with the Lord. We do our devotions. We do our Bible study. We kind of maintain a relationship. Years ago, there was a uh, coach at Notre Dame. Some of you remember him. His name is Lou Holtz. He coached for 11 years at Notre Dame, won 99 games. And, and um, when, he, when he left Notre Dame, he was doing an interview, and he, 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 said, he said, I wasn't tired of coaching. I was just tired of maintaining. And I, I think that's, when I read that, I thought, you know, that, that's, that's us. We're, we're just maintaining instead of growing. And when you just get into maintenance mode, you start, you start sliding backwards. There's no coasting in the Christian life. We, we live in this, the, the tyranny of the urgent. There's a little book called The Tyranny of the Urgent. If you haven't read it, you need to get it. It's a great little short book. But we live in the, the tyranny of the urgent. We have schedules to keep and places to go, people to see, and, and, and plenty of projects that have to be done now, Right? And I think for many people, time is the, the least available and the hardest resource that there is to give. Our schedules are full because the demands are on our time, and, 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 and we're constantly feeling empty and frustrated. And then life happens, hurt happens, disappointment happens, rejection happens. And as that happens, we start building walls around our hearts. And it's kind of awkward to expose our hearts, to feel completely vulnerable. The world says, you need to protect your heart. Don't share your feelings. People may not like you if they know the real you. If they saw all your faults and all your fears and failures, they might reject you. And then you wouldn't be valuable. You wouldn't count. In these days, if you're going to move past the, the shallow, superficial relationships, you, you've got to be willing to expose our true selves so we can make some changes. The fact is, God wants to give us a new heart. In Ezekiel 36, 26, the prophet says, God wants to take that, that heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. She wants to take your, your broken, stony, stubborn heart and, and give you a tender, responsive heart. But our tendency, rather than having a heart change, is to put a Band-Aid on places we need major surgery. And what I want to ask you to do is take this little Band-Aid and just uh, put, put it on, on your finger someplace and, and I want it to be a reminder today, as you walk through your day, maybe every time you, you think about it, put it on one of your fingers there, that uh, you can remind yourself today that what I need is not a Band-Aid, but surgery. And as you walk through your day today, every time you see it or touch it, because it'll be at a different place, to say, God, I, I, I need you to do something beyond a Band-Aid. See, see, we have our, our achievement Band-Aids. 
We, 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 we our, bandage our hearts with all, all these achievements. So we, we, we use them as, as symbols of success to, to cover up the broken. When I talk about a broken heart, I'm not talking about in a good sense. I'm talking about a messed up heart, broken and bleeding. And, and, and we, we try to cover it up with our, our achievements. Well, I've done this, and I, I've read my Bible, and I teach this class. And, or, or we have our sports band-aids. I, I like sports. But we, we can get so involved in, in sports and, and our team and our thing and our kids' sports and whatever, and that just becomes a, a Band-Aid to, to kind of cover up the dullness. Or, or we have possession Band-Aids. We drive our Band-Aids. We live in our Band-Aids. And if I can just have a, a, a bigger house or a nicer car, we, we kind of hope that those things will, will, will cover up the, the emptiness inside. We have, we have pretending Band-Aids. We put on a, a, a Band-Aid smile and pretend everything's perfect. It's not with me. We, we, we've got some, some major needs in our family. I'm going to share those with you as we walk through these days. And, 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 and we, we want people to, to so envious that, that we just kind of cover up with our, our, our pretend Band-Aid. We, we, we put on our, our pretend smile and we act like everything is great, like we've got it made, even though we're wounded and bleeding. We don't want anybody to know the, the real pain because, because if, if they saw the real pain, we, we might be rejected. If they knew we were struggling in, in this area, or our family was struggling, they, they might reject us. We have the Band-Aids of Gucci and Botox. and Why are we trying to acquire so much? Do, do we really think that, that if we get all the right stuff, then we're going to gain people's approval? Some of us put on our, our food Band-Aids, you know, quick, give me a Big Mac, uh, you know, or if I could just have a, a, a piece of chocolate cake, that'd make me feel better. And tragically, sometimes we even use God as a Band-Aid. We don't really want to take him to the broken places of our life because, because it's too painful there, too much shame. We, we don't really want him to touch that hurt because it just it's, it hurts too badly, and we're kind of embarrassed. If, if someone knows it, it'll just add humiliation to our already painful scenario. And so we hope if we, if we do the right things, we, we can cover up the hurt, even with God. How foolish is that? We put on our, our Sunday clothes and our, our Sunday face, and we hide uh, behind talking about God. Where are you hiding what are you hiding behind your band-aid today? What are you using to cover up your hurts? And, and, and will you in these days make a choice to risk the awkwardness? Now, I'll tell you, it, it, it's painful to take off a band-aid. Um, maybe not around your little finger, but if you, if you have it someplace where they have, I'm not a very hairy person, but um, I, I do have some, and, and uh, when, you, when you put a bandit on someplace where there's a little bit of hair, um, it, it's painful to take it off, even if there's not a lot of hair, after it's been there for a while, you know, you take it off just a little bit at a time so every hair hurts. Somebody said if you put it under water and do it, it doesn't hurt. That is not true. It hurts just as bad. And, and I've found the best way to remove a Band-Aid it's just do it. It's just get it off. You're going to lose a, a little skin maybe, a few hairs maybe. But, but, but the problem is just to, to grip it and rip it. That, that's the best thing to do. And, and, and in these days, if you'll say, God, would you just in my life, I want you to grip it and rip it. I want you to take anything out of my life, whatever direction I'm going, whatever I've been giving myself to, 
It is painful when you start tearing away band-aids that have been on your heart for years. But, but revealing starts the healing. And I, I wonder this morning if you would just be able to say, God, I, I, don't, I don't need just a band-aid. I need a heart change. I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to cover up all the hurts with the band-aids. God, I, I want you to do something to change my heart. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want you to go to God in a time of prayer. There's a song we used to sing. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like you. Could you pray that prayer this morning? Say, God, I want to step inside that circle. I'm going to stop, you know, being so concerned about everybody else's life and what the church is doing and and what the music's doing and what the preacher's doing and what my... God, I want to step inside that circle and I I want you to do something in me. I want you to revive me. Listen, revival will turn your life upside down. And, and just to say, God, I, I'm, I'm okay with that because I, I want to be renewed. I want, I want to be refreshed. Could you just pray right now and say, God, I hunger for spiritual refreshment in my life. I need to be refreshed. Call it revival. Call it renewal. I don't care what you call it. Just say, God, I, I want those times of spiritual refreshing that Acts 3 talks about. And I realize that time of spiritual refreshing is only going to come in your presence. And I, I want to know your captivating presence in my life. And, and I, I know in order to do that, I'm going to I'm gonna have to stop living behind these Band-Aids. I'm going to have to willing to remove some things in my life that I've been using to try to cover up the, the bleeding wounds. I think nobody sees, but the fact is... You can't cover up a bleeding wound with a Band-Aid. Eventually, the blood's going to show. God, just say to him right now, God, I need a time of refreshing. And this week, I'm, I'm going to step inside that circle and seek you with, with all my heart. I want you to take a few moments. Think that through. Talk to the Lord. Tell him what's on your heart. And then I'll pray. Now, heads bowed and eyes closed, just before I pray, how many this morning would say, Steve, my, my desire is that God would take me through a season of spiritual refreshing. I need that. I want that. And I have just asked God in these weeks to, to bring spiritual refreshment to my life. That is the sincere prayer of my heart. And you just told God that. Can I see your hand way up in there if that's true of you? Just look it up in there so I'll just know where we're at hunger-wise. That's great. You can put them down. Father, just just the admission of that need for for the majority of the people here is an indication that that's our desire. We we don't even know what that looks like, really. But we just just know that we don't want to live in the status quo. We don't want to just be heading down a road, not not even sure if we're heading in the right direction sometimes. Just treading water, going through motions, Knowing truth, teaching truth, but many times not, not living it. And God, I, I pray that there would be just a, 
a captivating sense of your presence. That as we move into this next service, as we go home this afternoon, as we come back tonight, as we walk through this week, whether we're at a job, at school, whether we're at a meal, whatever, but there would just be a, a captivating sense of your presence. And there would be a willingness on our part to, to rip off the superficial band-aids that we've been trying to patch things together in our life with. And God, you would give some of us major surgery if needed. Some of us just need to be stitched up. Some of us need to be on some daily spiritual medication as your word daily infiltrates our spiritual health. Some of us need reconciliation because there's broken relationships. Some of us, some of us need a marriage that's more than just two people living at the same address. Some of us are, are carrying heavy burdens for our children, for our, our, our parents, and for, for, for people that, that we know are in places that are dark and desperate. And, and, and God, we, we need you to refresh us spiritually so we can help carry the burdens that, that you've a, allowed in this season of our lives. God, for all the, the different scenarios represented here, thank you. You know everyone that your power is greater than every situation that we face. And we pray that these would be days of spiritual refreshing that a year from now and five years from now and a million years from now, we would look back and say, I invested time and it was lasting for eternity. And God, for what you're going to do, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.